Say hello to the bad guy. The good guy come in last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. I lay my money at a fast pace. All right, welcome to Say Hello to the Bad Guy. I'm your host, Locke, and this is the podcast where we drink, smoke, and bullshit about the life of a historic criminal. Now we're talking outlaws and gangsters. We're not going to cover too many serial killers. That's just a little bit dark for me, and this ain't no true crime podcast. Honestly, you can't call this a history podcast because I'm no historian. I'm just a history fan that does some research and bullshits about it with his friends. So speaking of my friends, let me introduce you to my co-host. All right, so uh, first with us today, we got J-Bone. Hey, everybody, how's it going? And then also with us, we got the Duke, Dan the Man. Yeah! That's me kicking through the doors. <laughs> You're not Dan Karate. Getting into it. This is my first time back to say hello to a bad guy in a little bit. You've I'm been... ready to say hola to these amigos. You've been quarantined, bad baby. <laughs> I have, and it's so great to be here to speak with uh, new people. We're not socially distancing. How do you like the new look since you've been back? We've added a library wing. <laughs> All mobbed up. So I'm going to actually try and grow up with the podcast. Like I'm going to read books like a big boy <laughs> instead of just Googling all my information. <laughs> no, you're not. They're just going to be on the shelf to add ambiance. I like ambiance is important. Have you ever been to a restaurant? <laughs> yeah, they got books laying all over the place. They're called they... menus. <laughs> My favorite book. I was talking I'll about have one of everything. Please. I was talking about the placemats you can do crossword puzzles with. You can say a fancy place like Big Boys. <laughs> yeah, fancy place. They don't even make you bring your own crayons. They got crayons you can just use. You don't even got to get up and go get the food. They bring it right to you. Man, remember those times? Those were weird times. Oh, pre-DoorDash? Yeah, I remember those. <laughs> so, Duke, what do you got to drink over there? Uh, A little Voodoo Ranger IPA. It's uh, New Belgium. I just bought like a little party pack of like New Belgium stuff. There's Fat Tire in there. There's another Voodoo Ranger, and it was just a little sample pack. I buy them every now and then. New Belgium's a good company to get a sample pack from because everything's pretty good. So there's not going to be like really a dud in there. You don't got to worry about. Yeah, the only thing I get a little adventure is when I'm buying like singles and shit. Like whenever I'm buying like a whole 12 pack, I'm like, well, I'm going to make sure I know what I like. And what's so crazy is like two years ago, I didn't know nothing about IPAs and shit. It would just be like, "Ah, I'll grab a Coors Light or some Bud Light. And now like I go there like. Well, I know I like these pale ales. I know I like the blonde. What, like, at least now I have some semblance of what I like. You're a, a neophyte, but you're at least in the in the door. I'm slowly yeah. getting there. I'm slowly getting there. I actually watched a beer documentary the other day. It reminded me of the olden days when we actually did that beer podcast. Finally learned what was up with IPAs. Yeah, that was when we first started doing like a real podcast, like actually trying to come up with a topic and stick to it and shit. Yeah, I actually wrote things down. <laughs> it was crazy. Well, it's something we can always revisit and redo, like an updated version of um, The Honest Talk on Beer or whatever it was. What uh, would you bring to drink today? I went with a Newcastle Brown Ale, pretty popular over in England. Kind of commercially, not real crafty, but you know. We've talked about this on the show before. It's one of those beers that... Once upon a time, that would have been our version of a yeah. craft beer. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> this Just... Heineken, the Lowenbrunn, like there wasn't a whole bunch of like 
back in the, the craft thing kind of blew up in the 80s 90s well because people were able to make it more cheap like it, all mm. of a sudden people can just get those kits to make beer like it just and everything sort of grew with the internet like people just learned how to do shit now so a lot more people are brewing i just with, think we're on that new shit i got new belgium he's on newcastle I looked at my shit real quick, hoping I had new something anywhere on my drink. What'd you go and, with? Well, I got a John F. Gerald Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. It's called Larceny. And I basically bought it because I was looking in the, the whiskey section. I was trying to make a decision. And when I know I'm going to drink it on the podcast, I'm a child. So anything that sounds like... Oh, this guy I'm, will probably be a thief no matter yeah. who I do. So I love when it comes to your drinking choice. You started with, well, I'm a child that drinks whiskey. <laughs> You, you know those children. Reliving yeah. his childhood. You know, well, no, what Germans. did you go, I meant, what so, did you go so with? So Irish? Yeah. For a brew. Oh, well, I'm chasing it. I got a lighthearted ale, but... Oh, I'm okay. You should have just said your staple. Well, I'm trying to switch it up. I'm trying to shed some of this quarantine weight, so I like two-hearted. This yeah. would be half of one. I don't understand why the options are two-hearted or half-hearted. Why can't it just be one-hearted? Single-hearted. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought about the Grinch. Why is his, why is his heart got to be so small? Or by the end, it grew three sizes. Just have a normal heart, dude. Right. Now you got an enlarged heart and you're green. Like. Yeah. That's an issue. Like You've yeah. got to go see a guy for that. Yeah, it sounds like he got corona Before we get started, I want to make sure... Make sure your shit's working. I want to make sure we thank Six Fo Sueno, letting us use his music in the intro. So go subscribe to his YouTube channel. And then go to Show Contributor Cancer. He's got an Instagram, Eyes Bleed Defiance, which he's got all his art, photography, graphics, art stuff. He did our cover art, but he also does our mid-roll song, Blood. That's on his album, Grenades, Pistols, and Rape Whistles, which is free now on Bandcamp. And then while you're on Instagram, follow us at Bad Guy Podcast on Instagram. We'll go ahead and get started. And the bad guy we're going to cover today is Giuseppe Morello. This ain't negotiation time. This is Scarface, final scene, fucking bazookas under each arm. Say hello to my little friend. Giuseppe. Giuseppe. Morello. Before we get into it, like, because I know you're going to narrate and tell us a little story. Wait, is that how this works? Did this guy <laughs> have a little fucking, uh... No, okay, different name, different name. I was thinking I might You have... were thinking about Pinocchio's dad? Me too. <laughs> So it's Giuseppe Morello, which I believe they go by Joe. I should probably go with Joe for the rest of the time. Yeah. But yeah, Giuseppe Morello, a.k.a. the Clutch Hand, a.k.a. the Old Fox. Okay. So Giuseppe Morello was born in Corleone, Sicily on May 2nd, 1867. So was Michael Corleone. That would have been Vito. Michael yeah. was born here. His dad. My bad. Sicily at that time had a culture where they considered left-handedness depending on the exact region, either a sign of either being unfortunate or you could even sometimes it was a sign of being evil. You were possessed by the devil, boy. That ain't God's hand. Giuseppe was born with a deformed right hand that only had one pinky finger. Oh. So right off the bat, he had to be left-handed. That's why he got the nickname the clutch hand because he was left-handed and he had a weird hand. So in Sicily, that meant you're evil. It'd be crazy if they, like, picked on someone, like, make sure you use that right hand. Like, they don't care that that hand's all fucked up. They just don't want that left hand being used. Doing some more research on that to make sure, okay, is that accurate to the areas? I found stuff about, we will have equal rights as left-handed people. And it was from, like, 1977. Like, oh, yeah. Even yeah. here in America, there's still a bunch of, like, even today, there's some weird, like, left-handed weird shit. We finally settled in, like, thanks to baseball and stuff like that, that sometimes it's acceptable. But, yeah, it's 
I was reading stuff like, oh my god, when is that from, like, 1750? Like, no, that was in my lifetime. But it's so weird, because we've talked before about this, how, like, I'm right-handed all the time, but I'm left-handed when it comes to, like, melee shit, like hockey, baseball, golf. And there's a lot of people that like that. There's people that are the opposite. They're left-handed, but then right-handed doing stuff. Little uh, Bugs. He's uh, ambidextrous and shit. He's generally left-handed, but he does shit right-handed. Mm-hmm. I play hockey so, both hands. I yeah. bat both So both what hands. does that mean? I'm only evil when I play baseball? Yep. <laughs> That's it? Like, well, And only when I'm on offense. Defense, I'm still right-handed. I'm still cool. Well, honestly... Sicilians thinking that left-handed people is evil is better than the Eastern Europeans because the Eastern Europeans thought that being left-handed was a, like a mental disability. But Sicilians are weird. <laughs> they think like eating pussy makes you gay. Like, right. It's like the opposite of what that is. No, it to- totally checks out, dude. <laughs> yeah. Little foreshadowing for casting him. I'm already picking the guy from Scary Movie 2. Take my strong hand. Oh, uh... Chris Elliott. I Chris Elliott. Of... I was thinking of Doofy is who I was thinking of oh, yeah. when you said that. Don't bother me when I'm cleaning my room. His dad died in 1872 when he was five years old. And then his wife remarried Bernardo Terranova, who was a member of the Colonese, which is the name for the Colleone Mafia, which was made famous in the movie The Godfather, obviously. All right, that's a, What was it? Colonese? Colonese. I mean, moving forward, we'll call them, like, Mafia and stuff yeah. like that. Well, but the technical say... name is Colionese. Sounds like you have a nasally colon. <laughs> you, all your farts sound like you're stuffed up. Her and Bernardo went on to have seven children together. They were all named Terranovas. So moving forward in the story, when you hear me talking about Terranovas, those are his brother. He was the only one that was a Morello. Seven kids. Yeah. This is back in the day when they, like, had to have army because they weren't sure how many were going to drop off. Between his new stepfather... And his uncle, who was also a mafia leader, he was soon inducted into the local mafia family at a very young age. By 1889, at the age of 22, he had rose to the rank of lieutenant and was running a successful counterfeiting operation. He married a lady named Maria Rosa. They had two kids, a daughter who died, and then a son named Calorgero, who he named after his father. You could call him C. In 1892, he became the primary suspect in the murder of a man named Giovanni Vela, who was gunned down in the street for revealing information that compromised their counterfeiting ring. His uncle smuggled him out of the country to America, where he was soon joined by the rest of his family. All right, so he came here to America to escape a murder charge? Yeah. That he may or may not have done? We're not sure. He just gets... Well, it seems like he did it. I mean, I don't know for sure. You usually don't leave the country of origin if you didn't do it. It was really tough to come up with an 1892 Sicilian newspaper, but, <laughs> but they they uh they seem to think he did it. Who knows? We go by uh, cop rules. If you ran, you're guilty. So his family joins him in America on September 14th, 1894. The murder charges were dropped, but he was found guilty of counterfeiting. He was sentenced in absentia to six years and 45 days imprisonment, plus a fine and deprived from the right to hold public office. Oh, so now he can't be mayor? He uh, won't be the Maisie of you will the Colonese. You will not vote for Giuseppe. And I approve this message. I approve of the message. So once reunited with his family, they traveled to Louisiana, which had a heavy Sicilian population, including friends and relatives from Colleone. And they went there looking for work. Now, after a year working on a sugarcane plantation, a guy said that they had a, a good job in Texas. And then they went and worked on a cotton farm. Which, nice. for the record, is not good work. While they were working on a farm in Texas, most of the family caught malaria. 
which his wife eventually ended up dying of. They need to use hydroxychloroquine. I take it all the time. I take it with my morning meals. I've been taking it for three days, and look, I'm still here. I mean, really, I'm still here. I've been taking it for years. It's hard to argue with that logic, though. Look at me. I'm doing great. No, look at me. Like, what? Okay, I mean. President Giuseppe just out there making. (laughs) No, he can't run for office. So they said, fuck this malaria bullshit, and they moved back to New York. Yeah, there's no diseases up there. I don't know the logic of leaving New York to go be a sugarcane farmer and then a cotton picker. But, I mean, I guess I could see the logic in getting malaria and going back. Yeah. When they get back to New York, he's got some money saved up. He tries unsuccessfully to open a few different business. He tries some investment ventures, and none of it works out. And he just seems to struggle earning an honest living. So he eventually says, fuck it. And he decides to just settle back into a criminal lifestyle. Yeah, I mean, it's the easy way. Every time he wants out, they pull him back in. So when he decides, you know what, we just got to get it back into some crime. First thing he did, he didn't have to go far because his whole family's criminals. So he started off with his brothers. And you're in New York, home of the entrepreneuring gangster. They end up settling in Italian Harlem. In 1902, Giuseppe decides to acquire a bar on Prince Street in Manhattan. When the owner refuses to sell, he leaves, and he comes back with a hammer, beats him in the head with it 15 times, and forces him to sign over the deed. I mean, that's one negotiation tactic. That's an offer that gentleman could not refuse. I wonder how many hits it took. Well, you said 15 times, but, like, did he just hit, like, hit him once? Like, you're going to sell? Boom. No. You're going to sell? Boom. No. I didn't know you were going to hit me again. (laughs) Like, still no. And then he gets to 10. He's like, all right, hold on. Time out. What are your terms? No, 11. I didn't know you could hit someone with a hammer 15 times and they still be alive. Well, I mean, yeah, two I, or three, I figured he'd be dead. Like, Well, that's it all depends how you hit him. You know what I mean? He just a little tap-a-roo. So, hey, next, I'm going to hit you 15 times. Every time is going to be a little bit harder than the last. You're going to sell. It just depends how many times we're going to have to go through this. The guy eventually uh, signs over the business, and the bar becomes his base of operations for his gang, which is called the 107th Street Mob. I love how, like, legally that just stands. Like, right now, if somebody's like, hey, I want your car, I'm going to hit you with the hammer. Okay, fine, take it. I'm still going to call the cops. It's still going to be my truck. Like, Well, were either of those Italian bums going to go tell the Irish police force? Like, we ain't filling out a report. The 107th Street Mob, they work mostly in robberies, loan sharking, counterfeiting, and prostitution. Typical classics. Typical mob shit. Stick to what you know. You go down there to plantations, you get malaria, fuck that. I'm coming back running drugs and horse. In 1903, he remarries a lady named Lena Salemi. And then the same year, his sister gets married to Ignazio the Wolf Lupo, who ran the local Sicilian Black Hand organization. Ooh, the, the black hand. Wolf, baby. Now this is sounding like some sort of weird daredevil. Is this Hell, <laughs> Hell's Kitchen? There's the black hand and the wolf? The black hand organization, some people will refer to black hand and they'll call it a gang, but it's actually a form of extortion, and it's one of the oldest forms of organized crime. They would go to these places and they'd give them little notes that had, you know, a black hand or a little letter or uh Really crude drawings, like a a black hand with a knife on it, and they'd say, you owe us this much money. And it was just an extortion ring. Well, it was real big in these Italian communities because these people weren't popular and they couldn't go to the police. And the black hand would just basically 
they didn't go into other neighborhoods. They only did it in Sicilian neighborhoods because they were kind of used to the black hand from the old country. Like us, keeping it local. <laughs> right. It's the thing I never get. The people that do crime in your like, go to other neighbor, rip off other people. Why do you rip off your people? It's so crazy. Well, it's because they would, the people would have to do it, and they didn't have anywhere to turn, so it was either give this money to the wolf. Or, or who you telling? Yeah. For real, who you telling? give a fuck. But that's a, like, the old Goodfellas line, like, yeah, we were bad, we were just, we were the police for people that couldn't call the police, but it's like, but nobody asked to even call you, you just said like, hey, we're gonna protect you, pay us, like, nobody asked for your Right, if it was an honest moment in the movie, it would have been like, we're the guys that are the police for the people that that can't call the police, but also we're the reason that them people would said have to call police. Yeah, because it's... we're extorting them. Yeah, I don't, I don't see like the whole the black hand. We give you car, like, just bust in there, be like, hey, we're gonna burn this motherfucker down unless you pay us money. Fuck the theatrics. Just say what it is. The theatrics makes it fun. Yeah, that's that's their jam. And by saying it's, it makes it sound like it's more thought out. Like a Ponzi scheme is more thought out than this. All it is is straight. Like I'm gonna punch you unless you give me your lunch money. That's all it is. It's not a. Well, that's pretty like, much the mafia. Like the history of them. I mean, that's pretty that's much. That's what the I'm whole... saying. People always act like, like it's organized crime. They got all these plots and schemes. Like no, they're a grown up version. Like why are you hitting yourself? Typically, when people talk about the black hand, they attribute it to Sicilians. They always say a Sicilian thing. Technically, the roots of the black hand can actually be traced back to Naples as early as the 1750s. Same M.O. They would pretty much hand like the note, like the same delivery yep. of the scheme. Yeah, like it, was... didn't, it wasn't much of a variant in the Naples versus Sicily. No, because there's even uh, like there was a version, like an Irish version, like. Something about how you said skip the theatrics. For some reason, the theatrics were part of it. Like, that really intimidated people. Well, we talked about it earlier. The ambiance. Yeah, it, I, I gotta take him serious. He drew a doodle. <laughs> he drew me a picture of a hand. This is serious shit. And it wasn't even good. It was very crude. Like, I thought it was a mitten at first. I wasn't sure what was happening. Turns out, it was a black hand. The Wolf Lupo marries Morello's sister. Ignazio the Wolf Lupo is the character that Don Finucci in The Godfather 2 was based off of. I'm not trying to put my beak in. Just want a little taste. <laughs> Just enough to get my beak wet. I would like to enjoy on this riff, but I, I haven't seen that movie, so I can't uh, riff it up. He wants to get his beak wet. Oh, all right. I mean, makes sense. Here's an example of a black hand note. Well, that's way more artistic than what I was picturing in my head. Like, wow. Yeah, it looks like they actually traced a hand. My high school band, the Palm Daggers. The violent hand. Yes. <laughs> was it? He gave me the old violent hand. <laughs> the marriage secured an alliance that would eventually become known as the Morello crime family. They controlled all of East Harlem and the South Bronx, with Giuseppe Morello as the, the boss and Lupo as his underboss and primary enforcer. Their first rule was that they had a zero tolerance policy for any type of defiance. So encroachment on their territory communication with authority, anything at all. It was just a death sentence. You talk to the cops, you get a black hand. You cross the street into our territory, you get a black hand. I say good morning, you do <laughs> not reply, you get a black hand. I see your kid kicking the ball, he kicks that fucking ball on this side of the street, you get a black hand. Yep, he hit my fucking car, here comes the black hand. Oh, <laughs> uh, you want a black hand? I'm gonna give you the old violent hand. 
So to establish that reputation, the Morellos with Lupo leading the way killed anyone that got in their way utilizing the barrel method. The barrel of a shotgun? No. No, I know the wooden barrel, I know. Right. So what they would do is they would chop up bodies and cram them in barrels. I love how you started like, yeah, I know. They threw them. Like me, I was like, yeah, the barrel method. They shoot people with guns, right? Like I had no idea. Like I was going to make a barrel well, joke, but it turns out no. It's got picked barrels. up. It didn't even go out of style. It changed. Like the Italians got away from this. The new, the cartels do this all the time in 55 gallon drums. Like around here, they found bodies in like fridges that are thrown <laughs> in the garbage. Like, I don't know. Like, oh, yeah. a, We're from Detroit. We found a yeah. dude in ice. Like, you know what I mean? They actually like, went and grabbed a barrel. Man, they care about these bodies. <laughs> the reason they used the barrels was for disposal. So they chop them up and put them in the barrels. And once they're in the barrels, they would either ship them to non-existent addresses in other cities, or they would pay off sailors to throw them overboard once they were at sea. Or sometimes they would just stash them with other barrels that were sitting at the dock. That's how they typically got rid of them, but they would make an exception. One instance... Uh, one instance is on April 13th, 1903. There was a guy named Vendetto Mariano. Now, he hadn't particularly did anything wrong, but his brother-in-law had spoke to the police. So they kidnapped him, tortured him for days, chopped him up, and put him in a barrel on a busy corner in Italian Harlem for everyone to see. Yeah, they alpha-dogged him? His brother fucked up, so they just fucked him up? That's pretty much exactly what they did. Well, the infrastructure wasn't totally built, so we couldn't hang people from the street lamps yet. Still put them on the corner, though. Like, anybody comes by here, they're going to see him. I feel like they <laughs> wanted to make a bigger show, but they committed to the barrel method, so he's already in the barrel, and they're like, well, fuck it. Just put the barrel out there for him to see. This was the, that's what they were like, but he's already in the barrel. Well, no, Giuseppe's fuck. accountant said, we buy 10,000 barrels, and we don't make a beer or whiskey. You keep a kill the motherfuckers. Like, man, he's already... Well, I want to hang one from the street lamp. Like, no, use the barrel. I want to make a scare snitch. Uh, Morello and Lupo both get arrested for the Benny Mattiona murder. But while on trial, after several witnesses disappeared and others changed their statements, the charges were dropped. Good old Italian mafia shit. Like, so far, it's just very by the... This is what the mob does. Well, no, I mean, they're really going out on their own, though. They're really putting emphasis on this barrel thing. A lot of them weren't using... <laughs> <laughs> well they had all these barrels from moonshine and they're like well what are we it's kind of transcending just barrels? being like their style the bear it's like really a thing like you know like he mentioned it's godfather like, the, like it's like the wet bandits they're the barrel bandits <laughs> we gotta have a thing everybody's got a thing, <laughs> got a thing. we're the barrel boys okay we're the barrel boys in lesser examples when the barrel method wasn't required they would typically burn down businesses, but there were several occasions where the businesses were va too valuable to damage, so they would go with chopping off the uh, shop owner's left hand. At so least that... they were courteous and took his retarded hand, yeah, that's not his <laughs> good, awesome right hand. This was going to say, they took the devil's hand, so I mean, right. really, they were just cleansing they his They saved soul. his life, yeah. yeah. Giuseppe and Lupo, they spend the next seven years growing their, their organization into the most influential Sicilian crime family in New York. They were one of the original organizations to bring the old country rackets and traditions including initiation rituals to america they were money laundering pioneers because early on they were inve investing profits back into legitimate businesses as fronts and started cleaning up money because this is a time when people were still just yeah sending letters with pictures of black hands so <laughs> yes so actual legitimate businesses and money laundering was a, a completely different thing 
notable gangsters that would get their start with the Morello crime family include Joe the Boss, Masseria, Tommy Lucchese, Salvatore Diacchia, and Lucky Luciano. <laughs> no small fries, just like kind of a fucking who's who. Like I, I knew one of those names, and you guys guess which one. Diakia, right? <laughs> of course. Clearly. Well, that's where we shop. <laughs> yeah. November of 1909, the police raided a building that was serving as a front for a counterfeiting operation, and they discovered $1,200 in American and Canadian $5 bills. Man, 1200 Big money. In so, 1909, so probably, and it wasn't was, millions, but it was way more than 1200 It was a lot of money. They were all in fives, and I looked it up earlier. A five was like a $100 bill. So what Morello had did was, once they had the extortion, they had to, once they had the black hand, that was the extortion racket. They had everything else covered. So then he reached back out to his Sicilian connections. So he'd send shipments out full of barrels for people to throw over the sea, and then they would come back with loads of American and Canadian counterfeit money, and they just spend it in fives. And that would also contributed to their money laundering because they would just take that money and put it back into these into the neighborhood. Yeah, the, the a little Italian dry cleaner, bar, meat market, all that shit that's right in the neighborhood. Morello and Lupo were both charged and convicted of counterfeiting and sentenced to 35 years in prison. That's a long time for some counterfeit. More than, more than if you probably got caught chopping some dudes up, throwing them in a wooden barrel. Well, right, because in Sicily, what, they gave you a couple years and you can't be mayor? That's some typical Fed shit, though. Like, oh, you're going to, we print the money and rip people off. You're going to pr- print our money? You're going to prison. Well, right. this is, what year are we in now? 1909. Yeah, so this is, I think, when, like, they were trying to pull their weight with the whole new paper money, and then, like, the IRS is getting formed, I think, around this time and 1913, stuff. so it's just a couple yeah. years before. So I think they're starting to crack down more on counterfeiting now that's becoming a bigger thing, I think. If you're counterfeiting, you may as well be hoping you're, you know, have a body or two. Like, you, not that they're lenient on murder, but, like, they don't look, like, Al Capone, you know what I mean? He did all that shit and only went got in trouble for his taxes like yeah i mean well, the... hold on hold on you could do whatever the fuck you want to do but if i don't give caesar his part then then i'm wrong well, yeah murder you but you're gonna pay us ours the mob boss the, the slob working the fucking construction guy you're all paying us ours and when you don't guess what the mob boss will go to jail the construction guy will go to we don't give a shit who you are the line in goodfellas fuck you pay me yeah. we're the government you can get away with a lot of shit oh you're making fake money no, Fuck no, Fuck you, no. pay me. My bar burned down. Fuck you, pay me. My wife's got cancer. Fuck you, pay me. Yeah, we've been putting bodies in barrels all over fucking Italian Harlem for seven years. And I'm not trying I don't to lock you up for that. Just pay me. <laughs> At the end of the day, the American government just is trying to get their beak wet. Yeah. You I know? don't want to stick my nose in your business. Just enough to get him a beak wet? With Morello and Lupo gone, his youngest brother Nick took over the operations. Nick Terranova takes over. He was a smart kid, but he thought that violence was bad for business, and was he was in favor of organizations working together to maximize profits. Tree hugger. Which the other gangs looked at him as weak and lacking like street smarts. <laughs> so they seen the Morello crime family as vulnerable. Well, at that point, saying, hey, I don't believe we should take the uh, violent way, they're like, well, damn, the motherfucker must be left-handed or something, man. He's talking some crazy-ass <laughs> shit, bro. That's when I love research, when they're like, oh, he was actually kind of a pioneer, and he had these great ideas, and he really thought you should try and do this a different way and make money first. And I, yeah, so they thought he was really weak and stupid. Yeah, but, I mean, 
compared to how he was, that is him being weak. Of, like, if up till now, you've just been murdering people, throwing them, you've been cutthroat, like, you've murdered your way to the top, all of a sudden, you're like, ah, maybe we shouldn't be so violent. Like, people are like, the fuck is this guy talking about? Who the fuck are you? Like, yeah, if somebody flip, if he was from the very beginning, the guy like, okay, listen, we crack a couple eggs to make these omelets, but all in all, we're going to try to do it right. But no, he murdered his way to the top. Now it's not. Yeah, people are going to think he's weak. They're going to think something fucking switched. So right off the bat, some of Morello's top captains break off and start their own families. So the biggest problem began for the Morello family with the Camorra gangs that ran Brooklyn and Coney Island. Both the Camorra clans and the Morello family began expanding into lower Manhattan at the same time. Now, Camorra clans were willing to split the territory, but the Morellos wanted sole control. So that started the Mafia Camorra War that lasted from 1915 to 1917. And the Kimono uh, clan was going to get involved, but they were just too relaxed. <laughs> they were just kicked back. It's, it's hard to get angry when you're that comfortable. Yeah. It's leisure, baby. Leisure. After a series of sit-downs, disagreements, and murders, the Camorra clans had a meeting in Philadelphia where they decided to work together under the leadership of Andrea Ricci to kill off the Morello family and control all of Manhattan for themselves. Power moves. First thing they decided to do is they call for a sit-down to discuss peace terms with Nick Terranova. Uh, he shows up with his bodyguard to a Brooklyn meeting on September 7th, 1916, and the two of them are gunned down on the sidewalk outside of the meeting. Well, good thing he brought his bodyguard. <laughs> Probably should have brought another one. Yeah, maybe a van full of them. They also, at the same time, took out a high-ranking capo named Joe Veranzano, but they were unable to get the other Terranova brothers. Morello's two remaining brothers... Vincenzo Terranova and Ciro, the king of artichokes, took over as the boss and underboss. I mean, he is the king of artichokes. Yes. How the fuck do you get the name king of artichokes? Hey, I'm the Duke of Zucchinis. The sad part is, I bet you can 100% guess how he got the name the king of artichokes. He ate 17 bowls of that shit. Hmm? He, he monopolized the artichoke business, and he had a connection. And if you wanted artichoke in the city of New York, you had to go through Cerro Terranova. So he became the king of artichokes. You know why I like artichokes? They're the only plant where you rip the heart out. <laughs> Got choke in the name. <laughs> and art. We're sophisticated. So the Mor Morellos proceeded to take out a bunch of the upper upper echelon of the Camoro bosses. Final stroke came in May 1917 when a Camorrist named Ralph the Barber Daniello testified against his own organization. And the following indictments and convictions effectively ended the Mafia Camorra Wars and eliminated the Camorra completely as an underground power in New York, which led to the rise of the American-based Sicilian Mafia groups. See, they should have hung up more scare snitches. And most of the Camorras moving across the Hudson to Jersey. <laughs> At least our favorite ones yes. are. What's crazy is if you read about the war, my, my favorite part of the war at one point as an approach, they even tried to move in on the artichoke business. Swear to God. So they tried to hit him where it counted, moved into the artichoke business. You know where we got to hit the king of artichokes? Right in his artichoke heart. But yeah, they started off good. They were kind of winning the war for a minute, but they ultimately were just too many different small little groups. You know, well, and they also thought 
our people won't snitch. They know the rules. Nobody's going to tell on us. Right. Well, everybody thinks that. Nobody ever goes into it thinking, oh, my boys are snitches. Haven't they ever watched First 48? Just the nature of their thing. There is the Omerta and there is a code and everything, but uh, how you become a boss or a Don there is you end up clipping somebody. You, you know what I mean? Like, it's a whole system predicated on backstabbing each other to get to the top that's what i'm saying like i'm not gonna go but the mob has always been they get this aura of yeah we're a brotherhood we're you guys all backstab each other you they're the epitome of that meme of like yeah all your boys are trying to fuck your girlfriend like that's what the mob is they're a bunch of dudes constantly trying how to fuck ironic your that your like, head goes there too because that's one of the few rules that they have we can't fuck with each other's wives we can fucking murder your little brother we can yeah. do whatever the fuck we gotta do don't fuck with his old lady that's what it's one of my rules don't fuck with, like yeah of all the shit we can do i would think if i bang my brother's bride that's less than like we chopped four well, of his fucking... Even that, they have all these fake... That's as real as the no snitching rule because the amount of mobsters that were banging other mobsters' wives are just as high up there as the amount of, like, mobsters that were secretly snitching. Like, all their rules were just bullshit, like, things to glorify. They were a bunch of assholes. Like, this, the second someone says, hey... Let's try not to be as vi. Oh, he's a weak little bitch. We're taking him over. Like that's their world. You cannot be sensible, like, or you get killed. Ultimately, your rules are fucked because you're building your organization based on guys that don't follow the rules, and that's why they're there. (laughs) They're criminals. You guys are all the honor among thieves thing. I just, I think that's a fairy tale that thieves tell each other to make themselves feel more comfortable. They all snitch. They all backstab. They're all murdering each other. It's all a bunch of bullshit code, like, that they just make up. All right, well, what we're going to do, we're going to take a real quick smoke break, refill our drinks, and we'll be back in a minute. Thanks for listening. Just real quick, want to ask you to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. Go to Apple iTunes, give us a five-star rating, and leave us a review, and we'll read it on the show.
If you have any questions, comments, or a guy that you would recommend we cover, you can email us at say hello to the bad guy podcast at gmail.com. We also want to thank Sixfo Sueno for letting us use his music in the intro. You can subscribe to him on YouTube and also a friend of the show, Cancer. He's got an art, photography, and graphic design page at Eyes Bleed Defiance on Instagram. You can see a lot of his work, including our cover art, which he designed. And he also performed the mid-show song, Blood, from his album, Grenades, Pistols, and Rape Whistles. Now back to the show. All right, and we're back. Got some refills. Did you have, because you said you had a variety pack. Did you get, do you have another Voodoo Ranger? Was it the same one? Yeah, I purposely grabbed all the, like I grabbed a variety pack, but there's like three of each kind. Like I don't, I won't switch every beer. Like, once I'm on one, that's the flavor of the evening. Well, at least you took one of the different, because New Belgium makes all of them, but, like, you didn't bring a fat tire, you know. you. Fuck you, I love fat tire. Well, yeah, but that's kind of like when I bring a Stella. Like, you don't really bring the, like... I gotcha. The most mainstream yeah. one in the Fucking box. Fucking bring the noise. Turn Every, it up. Do. Everywhere I go, I bring my fat tire. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do got a... I think there were a couple uh, fat tires in the in the case, though. As should be. All right. Well, we'll get back at it. So, after after Morello and Lupo went to went to jail, the Terranova brothers kind of made it through not only the Mafia Camorra Wars but a little bit of infighting. And then in 1920, Morello ended up getting paroled. I mean, 1922, President Warren Hardin freed Morello from the constraints of his parole by granting him a conditional commutation of sentence. Back on the streets. Free man, ready living to, it up, ready to barrel up some bodies and shit. If I if I believe it, wasn't Harding like widely known for being like one of our most corrupt presidents? Wasn't he like the guy that was heavily involved yeah, in the Warren crime? Warren G. Harding was like the original. Like they knew a lot of his shit. Yeah, like, it was just... so blatant. Yeah, I was just making sure that I had that right. Like that's something I'd like to look up sometime because I just know peripherally from uh hearing these other stories but yeah his whole administration like yeah we're gonna let all the gangsters go we're just gonna everyone's free well he looked at giuseppe morello and said you don't even need to be on parole yeah you're good go go live your life bro you cared enough to put him in barrels bro you didn't just throw him on the side of the road you care when he gets out he finds out his former captain turned mafia boss salvatore diakia Sees Morel as a threat to his power and orders him killed. You should have stayed in jail, old man. Morello was recognized as the capo di tutti capi, which is the boss of all bosses. He was the original one to kind of hold that title. Well, while he was in jail, Diakia kind of thought he was gripping to that position. So once Morello was back out, he decided he had to take him out the game. Basically, as a power play. Well, yeah, but to be the, the new guy. But it's only common to the guy that gets out and is the original person that should be in the position you're in. He sees him as a threat, so he should take. Yeah, you took you cooed your way into that spot. You yeah. against his family. Soon as John Jones was like, "Hey, I'm pissing clean. I'm back here again." <laughs> then Daniel Cormier was like, "Oh, I'm gonna have to fight him and take him out the game." This was so weird. Like whenever you say all this mob stuff, like. I keep on just going back to watching a National Geographic sort of thing, like, oh, the alpha male has returned to the statue. Oh, the new young buck. He doesn't like the look of that. Oh, he's challenging him. This veteran Guido here. Uh, 
He's crazy. Like even the phrase you use, like, oh, he saw him as a uh, as threat. a threat to my to his power, to his leadership. Like, dude, that's like the lion killing the little cubs. Cause like it really is. They're so animalistic that, like we already said before break. Like the second somebody was like, hey. It's not murder, everyone. Ah, oh, you weak little bitch. Like, <laughs> He's got one of the mental problems. It's called kindness. Yeah. You got to get rid of him. Like, they really just saw that as a weakness. Diakia ends up sending his top gunman, a feared assassin named Roberto Valentini. These fucking names, man. Vivi, like, baby, Vivi. Umberto Valentini. It's like yeah. a challenge to which one's going to out-Italian the other. And Umberto was like a... A psychopath it's weird like you always hear about all these gunmen and stuff like that this umberto valentini he was like a, a crazy man and he was it almost seems a little reminiscent of the siamese twins in how down he was for diakia he was like ready to go cut you know paint the streets bread for some fucking yeah. diakia man he was down fuck these guys over let's go get them let's kill them what'd they do like yeah i'll find out later let's just go do it so he puts Umberto on him, and after a little bit of pressure, Morello gets so scared he returns to Italy to hide out. He takes his top captain, Joe Masseria, who ends up being Joe the boss. He puts Joe Masseria in charge. So a war ensues, and after much violence and death of many prominent mafioso, Umberto Valente was killed by a Masseria gunman that was said to be Lucky Luciano. So once Umberto was dead, that was kind of like the key to Diakia's power. Morello comes back to New York. Kind of retakes his throne. <laughs> Say, hey, you killed that pit bull? Okay, I'm going to come back in the yard. <laughs> Thank you, Lucky. We appreciate it. So now he comes back and he's kind of a different man. And he realizes he's getting a little bit old for this. And he's not really down. He, he got Danny Glover? <laughs> I'm too old for this shit. I'm too old for this shit. So he hands over the reins to Joe Masseria, Joe the boss. And he stays on as, as his consigliere. So this is in 1922. And they just ripped through the Prohibition years. They were the predominant Sicilian Mafia gang in New York in the peak Prohibition years. And they made a ton of money. Now, in 1930, a war broke out between the Morello family and a large Sicilian family that it came up from Brooklyn, ran by Salvatore Maranzano. You see, that shit's always like a vacuum, right? So earlier in the story, Brooklyn was the, or the Camorra Territory. When they fucking kill the Kimura, it's not like, okay, now Brooklyn's cool. It's good to go. Like, you just get a whole new Sicilian mafia that grew in its place, I'm sure. Well, going back to the National Geographic, like, whenever an alpha is taken out, there has to be a new alpha that rises to take it. And many times there will be more than one young male in the tribe, in the pack, that wants to go in and battle to see who's going to be the main alpha. That's why sometimes you need the old alpha to remain in charge. Otherwise, oh, crikey, you get a madhouse in there. <laughs> that's it. So I the mean, fucking, that's pretty much yeah. exact. I mean, going the opposite way, not national geographic, it. but going political with it, that's exact. That's the Middle East. We took out Saddam, who was a dick, was an asshole, whatever, but he kept those motherfuckers in check. And then soon as, or like we were talking about Super Killer earlier and about, uh, you know, the whole Russian mob, it was the downfall of the USSR that made the mob take control because it was a fucking madhouse. And so they all just battled and started taking control. Yeah, it's why the Kimura always fails 
is the chaos. You know what I mean? That's too many different clans infighting. They don't have the organization. They don't have the work together. You know, so the next one pops up, the next one pops up. There's never been, you never arrested a mob boss and it just fixed the problem and crime goes away. Just mm-hmm. a new new guy steps into that position. Yeah. yeah, every time. So when the war breaks out between Morello family led by Masseria and Maranzano, Morello takes on a role as a wharf chief and his chief advisor. He had been through a bunch of gang wars and stuff, so Masseria is like, hey, I need your advice. And then on August 15th, 1930, while collecting cash receipts in his East Harlem office, Giuseppe Morello and his bodyguard were gunned down, becoming one of the first casualties of what is now known as the Castellamare Wars, which lasted until April of 1931. Oh, so his death kicked off like a whole new war? Well, yeah, the war was just kind of starting, and then he was kind of like the first casualty of it. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're going to, at that point, he was like, like you said, he was the advisor, he was like... There was a different king, but he was the dude on the side doing the, like, yeah, you take out the king's best advice. That's the best way to take down the king. The Castellamare's wars ultimately ended with Lucky Luciano eliminating all the old Sicilian mobsters known as the Mustache Peets that refused to work with any. <laughs> can we hear more about the Mustache Peets? Uh, well, we can because, oh. uh, well, Pete, a lot of times, awesome. so Pete was a really common name and they'd rock these big gangster mustache that let you know that they were. A mafioso, so they called him Mustache Pete's. Like the guy that we were telling you, the the Godfather, he had the big mustache. He was one of them old school bosses. Don Finucci. The Mustache Pete's, they clung to all the Sicilian ways, and they refused to work with anyone besides other Sicilians. Racist. And they favored old country blood feuds, and they were replaced by all first-generation American gangsters. And the first, these guys... That's your Lucky Lucianos and them. They grew up in America, so they grew up in a neighborhood with Jewish guys and Irish guys. And these Sicilian gangsters, with them, they didn't even want to work... You've seen they didn't even want to work with Kimura gangs. They only Sicilians. That's what's so weird when you look back, like, yeah, that Al Capone and Lucky Luciano, they were real progressive. <laughs> they were liberals. The first generation Americans, they preferred money to violence. And Lucky Luciano... They're so weird that way. I'll never understand that new generation. He reestablished a power-sharing arrangement, which we now know as the Five Families, with a commission. The Morello family, that was the first crime family in America, ended up being known as the Luciano family when they went to the Five Families. So Luciano just went in there and took that shit over. He yeah. organized yeah. it. He brought them all together. No, yeah. Like, That's what I'm saying. But just to take over the whole Morella thing, like, that was smooth. Well, at some point, like, the Castellamare Wars, if you get into that, but it was ultimately a coup. Basically, Luciano kind of, he set up young guys in every gang that just said, hey, let's just take out all these old guys together and we'll just run the families, but be cool. Yeah. And they were all like, well, all right. Cool. That's 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 better. <laughs> I really love it. that's the way where he laid out. There was like, listen, we all take over, we all do, it. and they were just like, all right, and that was it. Sounds good to me. Makes sense. I mean, that does make. We go through this all the time, especially in the mob, when they just say they come up with something like that. It's like, yeah, they just thought, like when you watch Moneyball and you're like, yeah, they didn't already do this. This is weird. <laughs> like that's the way it is with some of this mob. Like. 
oh, they just now decided they don't want to stab each other in the neck. They'd rather make money. Wow, that's crazy. Well, not only do they not want to do that. So as these young guys are coming up, they would try and tell the bosses at some time, like, hey, well, my buddy here is a Jew and he's real smart and we're cool and he can make us some money. And uh, if you stop fighting those guys for no reason, we'll make even more. And they'd be like, no, it's a blood feud. It's a blood feud. This goes back to Sicily. Like, you got to do it. And they were like, we don't. We don't have to do a Sicilian blood feud. I'm not from Sicily. I'm from the Bronx. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. I'm from Italian Harlem. What are you talking about? A Sicilian blood feud? <laughs> yeah. The Luciano family eventually becomes the Genovese family which is currently the oldest and still the most powerful crime family in American history. The original. Yeah. The tried and true. So the Genovese family today, which is the biggest of the five families, used to be the Luciano family, which originally started off as the Morello crime family. See, Adelaide, as soon as you change that name, new stats. You're not the same team. This ain't the same. New stats. It's like uh, the Ravens. You know what I mean? Do the uh, do the Cleveland Browns get that that's technically the Cleveland Browns team. Like yeah. you can't just move your team around. Yeah, like I think honestly, when these teams move cities, all right, you lost all those old championships. Those don't count now. Those are that's the old team's championship. You're you're in a different city. You're a new team. Uh, everything starts from scratch. Yeah. That's what I say. What's so weird though is when it comes to the families, it's like only they only change it by great bosses. Cause like you see the Gambino family still the Gambino family. They ain't call it the Gotti family. You you know what I'm saying like. <laughs> Maybe there is some sort of unwritten rule when they get like, all right, we've decided you've done enough. We get to rename the gang. You did it. <laughs> Congratulations. Like, the, so is it a good thing? Like Morello's the, the one of the few families that's had enough where their name has changed that much. And these other ones like, ah, we ain't had no good bosses since the old ones. So that's the story of Giuseppe Morello. So say goodnight to the bad guy. Go on. The last time you're going to see a bad guy like this again, let me tell you. This was a pretty name-filled episode, but if we was going to try and cover somebody else from this episode, who do you think would be the best guy to cover? Do you want to shoot? Mustache Pete? Like <laughs> one of the Mustache Pete's? No, uh, I mean, there's a cover. Uh, I mean, of course, Wolf, because he was in there for a while. And he was in, we just sort of lost him when he got locked up. But he sounded like he would be right. I mean, he was Morello's right-hand man. That there would be no Morello gang without Lupa. Right. But also, that other guy you were talking about, that uh, the dude that was just that you compared to the Siamese twins. Oh, Joe. Oh, uh, just, um, Umberto. Yeah, Umberto. Umberto just look, you know me. I love a good old-fashioned just a guy that's just a bad guy. He's just there for it. He just wants to kill. He's a hitman. That's his style. So that dude might be up my alley. Umberto was the Ramsey Bolton of the yes. Catalamares yeah, War. Exactly. <laughs> so probably one of the, either the wolf in no, not just because that's the best name of the episode. He definitely gets name of the episode award, but uh, Umberto, I do. Well, and if, uh, if we ever cover the wolf right now, before we even do it, we don't even got to cast it. It's Harvey Keitel. He's the best wolf ever. <laughs> but it would be confusing. Would it be in continuity with that other wolf that he played? Yeah, same universe. Well, it's like the Flash. Universe. The Flash yes. brings it all together. All you gotta uh, do is introduce the Flash. That means one of the, uh, who? What's the name? The brothers? Michael Madsen played them in uh, Kill. Uh, Vegas. Vegas. Yeah. yeah. So the Vega brothers would have to make an appearance. I like it. Yeah. Let's let's do this. There we go. Get Quentin on the phone. 
All right, what do you got? I was going to I was going to go with Joe was too obvious like he's he was a boss like he would be in other movies, other books, whatever. I was going with Dan first pick though, the um Lupo. Yes. The wolf. Just because I like a lot of things the guy had a long history and went through a lot of like famous but like your Luciano's, your Joe, like of course everybody knows them. I like what intrigued me about that guy is Umberto was scaring other people. Like these guys are all bad guys. They're all Sicilians. They're all killers. They're all put you in a barrel if you fuck around. But he had something unique about him that even our boy here was like, well, you know what, man? He fucking, I'm going to go to Italy and chill out. <laughs> I, I haven't been to Italy since I was fucking a young yeah, man. Yeah. And, uh... He's straight up fucking, uh, Corleone did from uh, Godfather. He just went out there, had a wife, lived a whole life. She blew up. He came back. It's hey, oh, Lucky, you got you got Umberto. All right, I'm back. I'm cool. That kind of makes him. I mean, I guess at this point he's sort of long in the two. He's been through it. This is sort of the end of his career. But that sort of like made him sound like a bitch there at the end. Just like yeah, I'm gonna go hide. Uh, is it safe again, Luciano? Can I come back? <laughs> well, that's did why. You, I think... Did you get him for me? Imagine if we did an Umberto story and we got to delve into some of what he how he got that rep you know what i mean like yeah. oh shit fuck you know what i'm gonna switch i don't want umberto because i don't want to <laughs> know about i want to be like the bad guy from no country for old men i just want to know that he pops up with a fucking cattle prod air compressor that he drinks a glass of milk out of my fridge yep. and goes on about his flips merry fucking way flips a coin and fucks you up like i don't want to know about i uh See, it's weird that you said that, because I was going to say the Joe the Boss guy, because you guys seem to be excited about him, and I don't know I'm excited about him, because in real life, he's a real figure, Like, a, but like yeah. that would be like Luciano, Lu, like Lucky's had a million movies and books portrayed about, like I don't See, know Joe's had that many, I'm just saying like- Well, I'm saying from an outsider, I, like, I know Luciano and stuff, I, I don't know Joe the Boss. Right, so, so for you, you know the guy we're covering- and you've heard of Lucky Luciano. Yeah. He's kind of the in-between. He's the missing link of that story. Yeah, that's what I'd like to hear. That actually makes sense. So many screens. It's tough. You're like the guy in the chair and like it's all the like, I ran out of ink. CIA things. Like, if I had ink, it'd be much easier. Like, I can't even see what's on here. It's probably like a green screen with charts and graphs and like just a wave bar that's waving. It's not connected to anything. It's that just... one's off. That's my one I use for work. Well, don't ruin the illusion. I just <laughs> said I couldn't see it this whole time. Now no, it's I'm fancy not... shit. You could be fucking tracking blue whales in the Gulf Atlantic. There's a guy in there that looks let me like adjust he's drinking it. this beer. Let me enhance. So, you guys haven't seen a picture yet, but if we were going to make a movie about Giuseppe Morello. Before you guys see a picture, who would you cast to play him? We're going to defer to Dan Hollywood. You You let me go first? All right. I went first on the side story. The time frame, late 1800s to mid, like early mid um, 1900s. So he's going to be, he's an Italian dude. He's going to be short. Obviously dark hair, brown eyes. I'm thinking, I don't know, um... Al Pacino, but not right now. How he looked like in Godfather. No, because okay, dark Italian. Um, we call that swarthy. Yes, yeah, swarthy. Uh, who's the guy? Uh, I forget the actor's name that played uh the Mandalorian. Ooh, Pedro Pascal. Yeah, Pedro Pascal. Pascal. There you go. See, that, that's our you, that is our new thing on this podcast too. Is uh casting Mexicans to play or casting Hispanics to, say, to play Italians. That's our that's our new jam. 
of all our shit like that we do like all the shit like Scarlett Johansson goes for for whitewash or whatever. Yeah. You know, like okay, Mexicans playing all these Italians. I remember when that's people our were, new move. I remember when people were pissed because that because J Lo's Puerto Rican and she played Selena. Like yeah. there was a bunch of Mexicans pissed off they about hated that. that. I can only imagine all the Sicilians are just gonna be pissed off if a Mexican plays them. Yeah, so pick again, Jay. Got to <laughs> Jay. No, uh, I mean I'm the same frame of mind that uh, Jay Bone had. It's we didn't get too many physical descript, but I would say that run of the mill. I mean, when you think of a mafia guy, brown hair, brown eye, Italian guy, early 1900s. I mean, mine. It's hard for me to Harvey Keitel. Like, that's, I really, we already established that's the wolf. You're ruining it. You're ruining yeah. the whole movie. Dude. I mean, it's hard for that's me. That's wolf, to wolf. Him. All right, so here's a picture of Tom Hardy, Giuseppe Morello. Oh shit, motherfucking. Uh, okay, I see Daniel Day Lewis. I see the Mandalorian, but with fucking. Oh, you know who? He... Bill Hickok's mustache. Well, no, you know who I see? Like minus the mustache, Jay Barenthal, the Punisher. Yeah, I mean, if he's not busy playing Lee Murray. Yeah, he definitely, <laughs> he definitely. I don't know what's his because talking all that shit about having a Mexican play him like is Marathon just normal white dude? I don't know. Sounds Jewish. Yeah. Yeah. For people that it see is it, unique. Once it's on the Instagram, whatever, and you look <laughs> at him, like just the eye placement, that nose, and everything, the square, like he really looks like John Barenthal. Like the mustache throws it off a little bit, but if you can block that out, I mean, to me, that's all I see. I automatically thought Daniel Day-Lewis, because when I see the picture, that's all I could think. But yeah, facially-wise, I could definitely see that. Now, you see that mustache. That's why I think... Oh, we see it. Yeah, that's <laughs> all we see. So Daniel Day-Lewis, like, that's a Sam Elliott tombstone mustache, though. Well, I was thinking, too, because we did this... We do this a lot with our time, like, comparing our times here with that, like... The late 1800s, early 1900s, that is the time of Wyatt or That's the time of, like bandits and shit that's the time of billy the kid is 1890s. that's the time of mustache pete's like it really is like we're comparing it like yeah that's like you know like just he was in new york but you gotta think too he was down there in texas that was the same time that the texas rangers were riding yeah like that was still indian territory down there that was he he straight up was in the wild west there for a minute yeah he rocked that mustache i didn't even think about it till this more till this morning till this moment but uh yeah, he straight up was down there in Wild West territory, like in Texas, doing some shit in the 1890s or yeah. whatever. That yeah, yeah. It's, that's cowboy times and shit. Yeah, that's Woo! straight up. I mean, when you think Jesse James, Billy the Kid, all wider, all these famous Wild Bill people, Hickok, fucking. Yeah. it's not where you had that mustache. It's not where you thought Giuseppe Morello would take <laughs> you is to fucking 1800s Texas. Well, I mean, we talked about it too when we went to our Wild West us bad guy ones like. There are the same mindset, the same just violent tendencies, mm-hmm. sort of animalistic. It's like no weakness, you take power, sort of shit. Just different areas, different times, yeah. but it's the same same story. Italiano just... cowboy. So now we got to do the DEFCON scale. The standard DEFCON scale is five to one, five being lowest, one being the highest. On the bad guy scale, none of them are good guys. So five is Lee Murray, who's your crack dealing, kidnapping. Son of a bitch. And then one would be the Purple Gang, who you got multiple massacres, multiple gang wars, and you're killing people on the street. So on a scale of Lee Murray to the Purple Gang, where would you rate Giuseppe Morello? You want to go first? Same time. One, two, three. I three. don't know. 
No, for no, me, for, it, I was going to say three, honestly. Yeah, he's just, I mean, we went through the last mob guy, I think I did, is like, this story, although he did good, he had a long career, he did everything, it was the standard. Inside of the mob, I mean, though, he didn't do anything. Like, if we did that um, Umberto guy, you know what I mean? He would be probably, without prejudging it, more leaning the other way. But, like, this this guy right here, just because of he did a lot of bad shit, but he's a bad guy on this show, in the mafia and shit, like, I, this would be the guy that we should have the 2.5. Like, he's right in the middle, like. Not super evil, but not a good guy, you know, but like, well, that's, just right that's in That's exactly why I say three, because he built the standard. I mean, that's the whole thing. It was the first game. A lot of shit he started, like, yeah, this is the mob standard. This is baseline. This His tale was, he was a violent dude, but then he got in there and went into money laundering. To the fact that he went to jail because a dude snitched on him. To He went through a couple gang wars. To all this, like, just very... It was a well-done story. He lived a good career, whatever, but it was that just normal, base-level mob career. So I think I might have went with the two. I don't know. The mob guys are always tricky because they're not pulling a, as many triggers or we don't have as many bodies on record but, as some of these guys, but they say yes a lot, but a lot of that comes with a business sense, too. So it's kind of hard to... You know? but, see, I think I said this too last time I was on with a tank. Uh, when it comes to the scale, a lot of times that's what we go for. Like, is he a bad guy? We go straight for how vicious, like how much did he murder people and stuff. But what makes a bad guy? I mean, he he was a career criminal. Like he never had like, well, he did. He picked sugar cane. But like other than that, he was a career. He never had a straight light. Like. What is a if it's just straight? Who's the most murderous? Yeah, he's like a two, maybe even he's baseline. Well, I like on the murder part, I don't judge the guy on their body count per se, but like the one guy, one gentleman who was robbing a rich person and killed the maid or whatever, it, he didn't have a high body count. I'm just saying, like, when you kill these guys, have a code, like, when you kill somebody that's not fucking with your shit, like, if he yeah. would have only killed three people, but they were all innocent, like a preacher or whatever, you know, that not a high body count, but that would lead me toward the evil part of the scale. That's how I judge not the high body count per se. It's like, what fucking is driving? They're all bad guys on the show, but what's driving you? You know, some guys like the Umberto guy are just pure there's something in okay we're all Ooh. mafia we're all sick fucks we're all psychopaths sociopaths whatever but he fucking go we put people in a barrel he's worse he fucking so who's worse the guy that says it or the guy that actually puts them in a barrel huh? but i mean it? yeah i mean definitely. well then the when guy you... that gets bored with that and says you know i'm gonna take a couple barrels home i'm having a bonfire tonight just to fucking burn bodies like well hey there's something we're all we're all crazy well, there's something wrong yeah but that's like... what i'm saying the scale is a little different like in order to be uh, one, you have to have a high, like, like someone who, no matter how good of a bad guy you were, if you weren't vicious and had a body count, you're never making it to one. Like you have to be vicious to be the bad guy. But I'm just, it's just so I've been going since we've gone through these bad guy scales and shit. Like he didn't have a high body count, but he was definitely based on like, I don't know, three. All right. So either way, standard MMA scoring is three of us. We got, so we call that a majority decision three. Zach, this is Crystal Palace. Sink Norad has declared DEFCON 3. Scramble all alert aircraft. I repeat, scramble all alert aircraft. We're pretty consistent on mobsters. Seems like my bosses go around to three so yeah. far. 
now we got to do the legend has it segment so we always find inform- i always find information when i'm doing the research that i can't really source out to put it in the story but there's always some stuff that's super interesting so today legend has it first one is regarding ignazio the wolf lupo so it was said that he killed 60 men and put them in barrels in 10 years at the order of uh, Giuseppe Morello. Wow. So that's the body count they put on it. But it's that's also records that were counting from Italian Harlem in the early 1900s. You know, so I don't know how reliable that is. But that's one of those. They give a body count about 60. Where that sounds rude. Like, damn, 60. But then over 10 years. And you think of the timeline. But also, like you just said, because of the time, there's no way you're ever going to know at all. Like. They weren't taking a census back then. They didn't know how many fucking... So on the believability, though, like, I'm going to vote, like, okay, I know it's the rumor has it part, but I'm going to... Good probable cause it did happen like that, because when you go to the gram, you're going to see a couple bodies in barrels. Yeah. They put one on the corner. That's just four that you could see on this old school. So I'm not saying that made there be 56 other ones. I'm saying if they fucking kill him and put him on the corner of Harlem... They, they, 60's not even an outrageous number. I'm, I'm saying many, I believe that. Yeah, you said over 10, ten years. Yeah, 10, 10 years. years. That's six a year. Like, I know the word. Like, yeah, six every murders other a year. But I mean, for this guy in their time, and they were in mob wars and shit, like, yeah. six a year is not unbelievable. That's still fucking high. That's still like a lot, but that's not unbelievable. Like, not at all. Not for Wolf Wolf. But, like we said, <laughs> there's. There's no way to ever fact check Well, yeah, that. that's, that's... Wolf the, the wolf. The, 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 yeah. I feel like these parts, the rumor has it, or, you know, legend has it, you're never going to confirm it or not. It's just like, okay, he gives you the stat, 60. Do you believe it? Like, we... I think that's pretty unanimous. Like, yeah, I, th- I think that's understood. I think he had... Uh, in 10 years, he probably had over 60. The other one we got... So, legend has it that Giuseppe Morello paid President Warren Harden $25,000 to have him released from prison. Since we've already delved into Warren G. Hardy's, yeah, like, yeah. I'm going to say that's probably pretty true. Like, yeah. Well, because he did get the pardon, and then he got the commutation, and they have a number. They didn't say, oh, they think they bribed him. They said, no, it, was, it cost twenty five grand. You got twenty five grand? we will get you a commutation. Yeah, I mean. In a condo. Both of those are the same part. Like, if it didn't happen, it wouldn't survive. But if it did happen, like, yeah, sounds right. Like, yeah. Well, and then, now this one, the last thing we got today, it almost doesn't count in the legend category, because this is kind of true, but he is, when you hear them talk about Mustache Pete's, Giuseppe Morello is kind of the, he's the poster boy for that. He started Mustache Pete's and the mob? Literally, if you Google Mustache Pete's, this will be the first picture you see, typically. Now, when you guys at home go to the gram, when you see this mustache, you're going to know that this was With the emancipator, there will be no question, the innovator, the mustache dominator, whatever you want to fucking get this funky guy, with it. This... He really is just like the purveyor of stereotypes. Yes. Like, he started all of the cliches. Like, he did. Oh, legend has it number four Mario from Mario <laughs> Brothers was based off him. Right, he already brought us Coleone and fucking... After Luciano took over and they eliminated the mustache peats, if you see now, made guys don't wear mustaches in New York. And they say it's because they eliminated the mustache peats. So that was kind of, uh, once you're a made guy standard, 
is you don't rock a mustache. Now, you see a lot of guys get away with that in Chicago, but the outfit's a little bit different. It's not the five families. You know, it's a different thing over in the Midwest. And to be fair, none of them have the Wyatt Earp. They might have the Tom Selleck a little bit trimmed down, but none of them have. Like... But I just, why why the anti-mustacheness? Anti-mustache beats. They were known by their mustache, so they go no mustache. All the Dons, all Pendulum the bosses swings. had one of them fucking. Yeah, but I'm saying, why did they? I just don't get why they got rid of all When they wiped them was... out, like, we changed the yeah, dynamic. Yeah, but they wiped out whole families. It doesn't mean, like, we never speak of those. And plus, it's a facial well, I think it's, thing. I, I mean... think it's just a new young guy thing, so they're trying to, like, we're the newer, younger guys that are smarter, and that's what the old guys did, and you're just not going to do it. I didn't make it up. <laughs> don't fuck it. No, I'm, I know it's not you. It's just, that's a, another thing I don't like about the mob. I'm going to count it now. Because I didn't know they were anti-mustache. They're anti-mustache. It doesn't make any sense to me. The five families are, like I said, oh, the, the outfit guys rock a mustache sometimes. Yeah, Fred Killer Burt fucking had a little fucking... Yeah, but he's Irish, can't get made. And he's kind of an outfit Even guy. if he was regular Italian, he's like, well, no, if he ain't a Sicilian, he fucking, he ain't no in our group. And he's Irish. They have to have mustaches, I think. Before we go, we got to do some listener feedback. So today we got an email from James in Bristol, Tennessee. So it's good we got Jay here because it's about the Kenny Wagner episode. So I guess it'll be spoiler alerts. So if you didn't listen to the Kenny Wagner episode, I don't know, either go go back and listen to it. or Well, me uh, and my boy from Bristol, Tennessee would like you to pronounce it as Kenny. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to be over here. I'm going to plug my ears because I don't think I heard that episode. All right, well, you're about to get, you're about to be spoiled. Oh, man. All like right. a baby. So, James in Bristol, Tennessee. So, I, I live and grew up in Bristol, Tennessee, 30 minutes from Kingsport, where Kenny Wagner had his infamous shootout. Multiple times, DC mentioned needing more info on the Carper brothers. Apparently, the shooting occurred after a fight with Kenny Wagner, who was going by Texas Slim, and the three Carper brothers. At one point... One of the brothers began to beat him with a two by four, and that's when the shooting began. There was a third Carper brother who was seriously wounded but survived after running off into the dark. And then it says, When he died in prison, he wasn't petting bloodhounds. He had been training a German shepherd that recently had a litter of puppies. Really like listening to the show. Keep it up. Oh, thanks for the feedback. That's awesome. Like to add something onto the story that we were really. You know, I remember, I recall DC like asking those questions. Like, well, maybe we need some more info there. Well, and I think it sticks with what he was saying. So, yeah, I mean, if you're in a fight with three dudes and they're beating you with a two by four, you're probably gonna shoot those guys. Yeah, shoot them up. Shoot I mean, them that's up. uh, that fits well within the <laughs> yeah. the ethics of this show. If we could, if you get a three for putting bodies in barrels, you could for sure fucking shoot a guy in a board fight. Well, I mean. You could shoot a guy for jogging around a construction site, for sure. You could shoot people for hitting you with the two-by-four. Well, and I think the fact that uh, he was training a German Shepherd, we talked about the Bloodhounds, but he's like a fucking, uh, for sure, a Joe Exotic with these fucking yeah. dogs and shit, training them up. Training them to not do everything you're supposed to, except when I escape, you don't come after me. Right. Like, okay. See, we have to stop all this pup petting that's going on. All right. Well, so before we go, you guys got anything? Not particular. Just I'll shout out to him one more time. Good, great, um, paying a lot of attention, doing a little diligence yourself, a little homework. That's good. 
Well, he said he grows up 30 minutes from Kingsport. Like, it's probably... More local news to them, like, and... Yeah. That'd be, like, if you if someone was to mention White Boy Rick around here versus halfway across the country. Like, we have a general idea of the story. Well, because it's in our local, like, if you go to our archived, like, Detroit Free Press and News, like, it's here, like, as if we were in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, it might not be as prevalent. You have the internet and all that crap, but, you know... Well, he hey, sent me a link I could put... I could put in the show notes or on the Instagram or something. This is say hello to the bad guy. Thanks for coming. And thanks for listening. Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. Say hello to the bad guy. Good guy coming last place. a dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. We was down bad. My mama had to be dead. Spent my birthdays in the trap. We had to work with what we had. She been working on a raise while trying to raise me like a man. Plus my daddy in the box and all my cousins in the camera. Need a hundred friends, I just want a hundred bands, a hundred jugs, a hundred scams, ay, ay. So I don't money grabbed a hundred hams. So I don't money grabbed a bunch of And bands. I ain't wanna fall victim to that system or the pistols. Fuck a judge with a grudge, I'm blowing crud for my mental life. Ay, and I still keep it on me, run into your big homie, first you meet your dead homie, ay, yeah. Say hello to the bad guy, bad guy. Good guy coming last place. You smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy. Good guy coming last place. Smell the dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. I just did the dash in the fast lane. Let my money at a fast pace. Look like a drag race. Control re up in my ashtray. I'm in my bag. Good girl, bad face, slim waist, and her ass fake. Ay, and she in love with the bad guy. Ay, but bad bitches never act right. Ay, she act up until that bag flies. I get a turn around in one night. Ay, say hello to the bad guy. Ay, the good guy coming last place. Ay, you smell that dope when I pass by. Ay, I let my money at a fast pace. Ay, say hello to the bad guy. Ay, Good guy coming last place. Smell the dope when I pass by.